Hello, welcome to the Big Web Show, everything web that matters. I'm your host, Jeffrey Zeldman. Today's Big Web Show is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy and fast to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code BIGWEB. And today's guest, uh, speaking of making websites fast and easy, today's guest is the founder of Macaw, the app that everyone has been waiting for. Uh, the Code Savvy Web Design Tool is what it's called. And uh, Tom Genatasio. Hi. That's Did I right. say it right? I said it right. Yeah. That was pronounced pretty well. Genatasio. Genatasio. Tom Genatasio. From uh, Roots in Italian? It, yes, absolutely. Okay. Pretty Italian. <laughs> okay. Okay. That showed my uh, knowledge of world historical events and uh, <laughs> peoples. Uh, so, Macaw, so, so let's just get into it. I mean, it's a beautiful app. I, I was uh, playing with it. I'm uh, the kind of person that has never believed. It was remotely possible. I've even written articles saying it's absolutely impossible to write good markup and good CSS with the tool that, that the front end designer developer will always be necessary. But I've got to say, and I haven't tried to do anything complicated yet. I just made a simple responsive layout, uh, but it was great fun. And I looked at this, this, you know, the HTML was semantic. It was, the paragraphs were paragraphs, and they were inside a div. And the it was HTML5. It was super clean. The CSS was simple and super clean. There was an underlying grid, uh, but that was its own separate file. I don't know. Uh, so far, and, and it's a beautiful app. First of all, congratulations. It's a gorgeous app. Thank you. Thank who, you. Appreciate that. Who on your team is the designer? Uh, I'm the designer. Wow. It really looks lovely and uh, it's very clean. And for as complex as it is, there's a lot of iconography that's easy to understand. That's sort of, I, first of all, if someone, I don't know who you thought you were designing for. And that's a good question. I'll, I'll ask that. Who, who is this for? The person who's good at Photoshop but knows nothing about the web, is it for a professional designer developer? Who's it for? Yeah, so the, you know, the app was built, um, honestly, it started as an experiment for myself. Um, it's a tool that I personally wanted. Um, I am a web designer. I've been doing it for about 18 years or so. Um, but I've also been doing, you know, I do a, a fair amount of front-end development. So I kind of understand both ends of the spectrum. Right. Um, but the tool is really created for anyone who understands the fact that Photoshop's not the greatest web design tool. Right. Um, but you like to work visually because working visually is the best way for a designer to go through that design process. Right. Um, right. And, you know, it's for anybody who understands that um, and wants to be working directly with their medium. How, uh, I only see code after I publish. That's correct. Yeah. Is, that's a deliberate design. That's a deliberate decision to it's, hide complexity. 
It's a deliberate decision to hide complexity, yes. Um, there are a lot of complexities behind that, you know, in actually allowing you to edit the HTML and CSS directly would also be, we would lose a lot of the freedom inside of the tool itself. Um, you know, HTML and CSS is so complex. Anybody could input anything. Um, and really we decided like, let's lock it down and let's build a tool that's much more of a visual design tool that then outputs HTML and CSS. Um, so it's, it's a good starting point for anybody who is, you know, maybe working with a web developer or maybe they just want to publish it out the way that it is. A lot of times you'll hit production level code. Um, as long as you name everything correctly in your outline, you can end up with some pretty solid HTML and CSS. Where's the, uh, is there a book or a, is there documentation that explains? Cause it's, it is complex. It's not, it's, it's not an idiot's tool at all. It's and not, it's not, like a, it's you not talk a, about the outline. I'm, right. I'm looking at an outline and, and highlighting different elements, uh, I guess in my, in my tree and how would I, I don't necessarily know how to yeah. non-visually adjust that or. Right. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely a learning curve. Now we did, we do have documentation that's up that explains how to do, um, you know, 90% of the application. Um, it definitely takes a while to get used to it. It's, it's a bit of a paradigm shift. Um, you know, the canvas, it's everything is meant to feel sort of like Photoshop or fireworks. So anyone who's transitioning from one of those tools should feel somewhat familiar. A lot of the keyboard shortcuts are exactly the same. But with a flexible grid. Exactly. Yeah. So built in. the canvas itself is fluid. Um, everything is built with JavaScript and HTML. So everything you're seeing rendered is actually HTML and CSS. Right. Um, right. And so, you know, it is a bit of a different paradigm, right? We're using static positioning. So when you move an element, you'll see it's not being placed with absolute coordinates in a tool like Photoshop. It's being placed with margins and floats. Um, and so, you know, when you resize that canvas, everything will flow. So it's a little bit different because there's times where if you adjust the height, it might push other elements down. Um, and that's taking, that definitely takes a little getting used to. I haven't been able to do this challenge yet. But so for example, I've got a photo on the left. That's one, two, three, four, five, six columns wide and text on the right that's in a box that's six columns wide. And as expected, when I get it down toward a phone size, <coughs> the text floats below the photo. And that's what I want, and that's expected. But I can't really control the width of that box, or I can't, I can't Im immediately intuit how to – what if I wanted to decide to shrink the photo down at a certain – you know, when it gets to phone size, maybe I want the photo to float left again instead of – right. How are there things in the works that allow you to do that? Or are there actually already tools that would allow you to make complex design decisions like that? Yeah, so so you can add breakpoints anywhere you'd like inside of the document. Um, and on those breakpoints, you can rearrange the layout and you can change the width. You can change whatever you'd like. Um, and, and it'll animate between those. Well, it's not going to necessarily animate. I mean, you could put on transitions so that it would transition right, between right. those. Um, but it will uh, write the media queries necessary for you when you go to publish. It's, it's built around the idea of being responsive. So there's you can change your grid per breakpoint. Um, you can completely modify the layout. Um, and it, it helps you see all of those different changes. There's property tables that show up. Um, whenever you have an anomaly amongst breakpoints, you can hover over a field and it'll say, hey, up at the top, I'm set to 50%. Down below, I'm set to 100%. And you can use those values to help you make those kind of design decisions. This, it's uh, Everything's pixel-based at the moment. 
I mean, it's still completely responsive. And it, but are there any thoughts in the works about doing the same? You know, giving the option to be M's based, so that I know that might add a, a order of yes. magnitude of complexity. But so there are so people who there are probably people who will only use this tool when you have that option. Right, right. So what we've done is we've added some constraints for ourselves, and we let you work within pixel-based dimensions or percentage-based dimensions. So really? you can change the percentage if you'd like. Um, the, su the suffixes inside of fields can be changed. Um, so you can go ahead and change that to percentage-based. And then what we do is we think that those are the two most intuitive units to use. And then in your published settings, you can actually set, hey, I prefer M's or REM's or whatever it happens to be. And McCall will go through and analyze and just do all those conversions for you. Good Lord. I see you can also group items and, you know, so that you want this photo to move with this text box or whatever. And you can, uh, you have a fit to children command. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Right so from the nav bar, which is extraordinary to me. What you're doing, so this is a paradigm shift. Yeah. Because for about 10 years now, we've had to learn all this code so that we could, and especially since Ethan Marcotte invented responsive design and it swept the whole field, yeah. you have to really, there was no way to think visual. You had to think in code to do all this stuff. Yeah. And the promise of your app, I haven't, I've only been using it a short time. I haven't tried to do anything complex with it, but the promise of your app uh, is that you'll be able to think purely visually and that a generation of designers 10, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now, will be able to do amazing work by understanding the concepts of fluid layout, but won't necessarily have to know that much about code. That, that's, that's the idea. It's, it's, it's sort of a bold statement, and it's certainly a long road to get to that. Um, but that is sort of the idea. We do believe that it's possible um, to build a visual design tool that pulls in um, the things that we need from the web. But we don't believe that it's really going to be necessary for people to understand you know, how to write um, basic layout. Uh, it, it's it's a monotonous task, in my opinion. I think that it's 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 grueling and designing with code. Um, it's you know it's kind of funny. I did a talk about this just a few weeks ago, and I was really kind of looking back through the history of the web. And you know, when I started 18 years ago, I was on GeoCities, um, and you know, typing basically design my design process was typing into a text area and hitting preview. Um, Me too. And we've, we've come full circle right back to that. You know, that was designing in the browser before it was cool. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. We've both been doing this the same amount of time. And exactly. <laughs> I remember when uh, Andy Clark started talking about designing in the browser and people were saying, oh, their, their minds were being blown. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's. That's that's what we did when Photoshop didn't have layers right. and didn't export to HTML and yeah, there was no Dreamweaver and blah, exactly blah, blah. it's yeah. it's undeniable that there's a need for us to be able to work visually. Um, our tooling just hasn't gotten there. Um, I think the web has evolved so quickly that tools just didn't catch up. We're still using print design tools or we're handwriting code. Um, and I think it's time that we our tools try a little bit harder. Um, and it does require a bit of sacrifice on our part. We've become really attached to how we write HTML and CSS. Right. There are there are people who have said they wouldn't would never use frameworks or they would never use SAS 
Right. Not that they had anything against it, but they didn't like the way it. And I can totally relate. I used to do a lot of front end design, and I was very fussy about my indentations and all that. It was like it was a little art form. Yeah, it really and, is. Um, and I think that what it requires is a little bit of sacrifice of that art. Um, we're going to try to bring in as much as as we can um, with our tool uh, to try to satisfy that that need for the art. Um, but it does require a little bit of sacrifice, but what we gain in return is tremendous speed and, and flexibility in, in how we actually work. Um, you know, I was looking back, uh, and it's so funny. If you look, you can still find them on Amazon. There's cookbooks on how to write PostScript. Um, but who, I mean, who does that anymore? Right, right. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of think that we're, gonna get, we're going through that same sort of transition where our tools are getting smarter, and they're going to enable us to do this kind of stuff. Well, this... Uh I can't verify that this is yet doing all of that or that, but I do, uh, this is the first tool that I've seen. I have a longstanding bet with Tim Murtaugh. Tim Murtaugh is a great front end developer and he, uh, worked on the list of part. He works on a list of part all the time. He, he did, uh, mm-hmm. the front end development for the list of part redesign. And he, I was saying nobody will ever replace, nobody will ever be able to do what you do. No tool will ever be able to do what you do. And he's been saying it's a matter of time. Somebody will find a way. And this is the first time that I think he's right. He actually challenged me today as I was uh, kind of geeking out over this. I was playing with McCaw and he said, you still think you still think there will always be a front-end development discipline? And now I don't know. Uh, yeah. It sure helps right now to be a front-end developer to use this properly, I think. But I think it's a transition in the tools, who it's for and uh, its capabilities thus far. What you sort of need to know about these things, you have you need to know about breakpoints and all that other stuff, you know, or or this won't make sense to you. Yeah, yeah. Having that underlying knowledge certainly helps get the most out of a tool like this. You have. Uh, already have support for web fonts with Google fonts. How hard is it to hook up to Typekit or uh, a, a different provider? Yeah, Typekit is actually in there. So you can put in a, a kit ID. It'll go out. It'll it'll call back and, and get all those fonts for you, whatever's in your kit. Um, we also we also allow you to work with system fonts. Now, they may not publish out properly, but a lot of people want to design with their system fonts, especially sure. with Typekit Sync now. Um, so w- we've been talking about other services and it's, it's not hard for us to sink into that. I mean, Macaw is basically a browser. So anything the browser can do, we can do. How do I go about as a user? So it's pretty easy when I open the app for the first time, it's pretty easy to go, Oh, it's a grid and I'll make, I'll drag and drop a box. Like, like I would be in InDesign or something to tech type into. It's pretty obvious that I can pick other fonts. All that stuff is great. How do I start doing headings and and all that stuff and know that after I've created an H2 that I can keep using that H2 as I would if I designed a style in, in design? Because again, that's what you're really going for. That right. these are, you know, another another problem with using Photoshop is every time you have to create an H2. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. want to know what it looks like, you have to make sure that you pick the right anti-aliasing every time. I mean, it's crazy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Or the comp won't look right. So yeah. how do I? How do you get that logic into this app? How does that yeah. work? So, so there's a few different things. Um, there's a few concepts at play. One is when you create an H2, 
Um, it's basically just a name that you give it inside of Macaw. So inside of your outline, you name it H2, it's going to publish as an H2. And any other elements inside of the, the um, scope of publishing, it'll go through and it'll say, here's all the properties that are shared amongst those H2s, and here's what it should be written as in the most succinct way possible. So you don't have to necessarily think about what exactly is written on an H2. It's more about just making sure that you inject the semantics and we'll handle the consolidation and the rest of that. But how do I... If I need three of these headings on the page, how do I, do I yeah. drag and drop to, co I mean, how do I, I, I know what, what are the mechanics of so, of so it? We have a system as a visual called, designer. Yeah, called global styles. And so what you can do is you can select an element and say, create a global style. And I could say, this is my blue heading. And anywhere I want to apply all of those styles to something, I can just sync it up. Um, and so then inside of one dialogue, I can make adjustments to any element that's synced with that style. So it, it uses, um, you know, those global styles to make changes across the whole project. Right. So that's the create component uh, element? Um, create component is a little bit different. That actually will, will store um, complex groups and anything inside of your library to recall. But in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a little stamp icon that you can go down and create the global styles. You also have scripts and support for scripts. How does that work? Yeah, so you can go onto an element um, and give it a variable name. Um, and then inside of the scripts palette, it automatically generates you know, a jQuery variable that's going to go through. It's going to inject another class name, and it's going to write the jQuery variable to go out and use that selector. And then you have a variable inside of your scripts panel, and you, you get full access to JavaScript. Um, are, are there plans to create a video series or to work with someone like lynda.com to have one of, you know, have a really good presenter, just like having someone, having a great yeah. front end developer slash designer, I don't know, Dan Cedarholm, somebody <coughs> like that, go through doing what they do using a tool like this. Yeah. Are there are there plans for that? So so we want to put that together. Um, we did work with our, our friends over at Envato and they put together a four part series for launch to help us with get some of that material started. Um, we don't have plans with any particular designer yet, um, but we know that training materials is, is one of the biggest things that we need to to get going, um, and we want to help people get get on board. So, uh, you're you're a four person company. That's correct. You started the company when? I started the company um, January two thousand thirteen. I left my job at MIT the December before that, um, and so for a long time it was just me. Um, and uh, my partner was sort of moonlighting. He joined me in May 2013. When you went full-time, when you, what were you doing? Were you like a, a lead designer developer at MIT? Yeah, I was, I was a lead designer at MIT working on, um, on a, a new startup there called edX, which is um, basically they're building a MOOC. So they're opening up their courses to the world for free. A um, MOOC. A MOOC. Massive open online course. Okay. Uh, so sort of like Coursera, Khan Academy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so they're offering Harvard and MIT classes for free online, which is pretty cool. Um, and uh, before that, I uh, was at Twitter for a little while, and I was at an agency in D.C. called Include. Um, I know Include. Yep. yep. When were you there? I was, I was there for uh, 2010 to 2012 or so, and then we were um, acqui-hired by Twitter. Oh, I didn't realize that happened. I missed yeah. that. Yeah, but they were. They were. That was a good agency. Were you at that great agency? Were you at the? Uh, yeah, very great agency. Were you at the event apart party in the uh, in like two twenty eleven? I think 
Yes, yes, I was. So we were. So we've met. We, I think we've probably met. We've yeah. met. Okay, cool. And uh, when you got acquired, which, what were you able to do at Twitter? Because I mean, it can be. There are so many designers and developers at Twitter. It's like what? Yeah. So I actually have a pretty interesting, interesting journey there. Okay. Um, I was Aqua hired and I, I did a little bit of work, but I wasn't at Twitter for very long because I was, I was called by MIT about six weeks into being at Twitter. Um, and we also just had a baby. Um, and Congratulations. so Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Delayed. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It was this kind of crazy time. Um, and I actually got poached away by MIT uh, because wait, so you went from, you bounced from DC to San Francisco to, uh, what, what, what was the third bunch to Boston, right? Boston. And now I'm back in DC. Um, it was, it was a wild chaotic ride. And in the midst of all of that is, you know, how Macaca started. And your baby's two, three years old now. She's almost two. Yep. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. So it was, good it time, was, good time to start a company. Oh yeah. It was a good time to start a company. So you, you told you told your wife, I'm going to quit my job to start this product. I'll be competing with Adobe. Yeah. I don't know if she was like, you know, high on the, on the hormones from having a child or what, uh, but she totally agreed to it. And cool. uh, <laughs> I told her it would probably take about three months for us to finish it up. For, for, <laughs> for people listening who also have a great idea, how much had you saved? Like when you left... When you left MIT, did you have like three months rent in the bank, six months rent in the bank, one month? What I mean, how big a risk were you taking? I mean, we, I know I it's mean, huge, but yeah, no, I mean, we we probably had a good, good at least a year's rent in the bank. Okay, um, you know, so we knew, but honestly, we didn't think it was going to take that long. Um, I don't know why we thought that. How did you? I mean, four people uh, are you self funded? Yeah, so um, we we ran a Kickstarter campaign back in October. Ah, that's right. Um, so for a long time, it was just living off of our savings, um, and that was for ten months. And then we ran our Kickstarter campaign, um, and you know we wanted to raise seventy five thousand, so we could basically hire a consultant to finish out some of the native development that we needed done. Um, we ended up hitting that in the first twenty four hours, and you know went on to raise about two hundred seventy five thousand. Wow! Um, so that's that's how we got our start. Um, we've we've been resistant to funding. We've heard from a number of VCs and things, but we've been sort of resistant. That is good. Yeah. Are you watching? Are you watching Mike Judge's new show, Silicon Valley? I am. Yes, I am. Does it like <laughs> laugh and cry? Yeah. No. It's it feels very real. It feels very real. Yeah. Uh, but okay. So. I applaud that uh, doing the funding yourself. And what 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 did the people who? How many people was that uh, who who signed up for the Kickstarter? If you ra- if you raised two hundred seventy five thousand dollars, we had I believe we had about twenty five or twenty six hundred backers. So they really contributed quite a bit. People really did. Um, which, which really, uh, you know, kind of means the world to us. You know, we're, we're building a product for ourselves and for the community. And to have that kind of support from the community was, was really, um, was really kind of humbling. Where are they, what do they get besides the app? And I assume the app for life, <coughs> what, what do they get? Did they get like a ribbon or a, a plaque or something? They, they, they didn't get that. Uh, some of them got shirts. Um, and everyone got their name inside of the application itself as a special thank you. Oh, cool. 
And this is, how long have you been working on before you released this? Yeah, so it's 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 funny. It's it's kind of hard to say. I, I, I mean, you announced way in advance. We announced pretty far in advance, Which yeah. must have been terrifying. You must have had some nights where you went, oh my God, we're not going to, what was I thinking? This is crazy. Yeah. I had a nice job at MIT. There, it's it was it's certainly been a it was a stressful year that's that's for sure um, you know we're building something that big big companies have millions and millions of dollars to to pour into um, and we're just we were just a couple of guys who were like hey I think we're probably a little mentally insane to do this let's let's try it <laughs> how uh, have without naming names have the there's only a couple of big companies I imagine they will approach you if they haven't already because. This is pretty sweet. Your end game is not to sell to a company like that. I assume your end game is to just keep yeah. doing this. Yeah, I mean, our, our, I think our end game is a little more abstract. Um, we're not going to try to put like, oh, we have to get acquired or we have to build, you know, a hundred million dollar company or something. Um, our goal is to really just kind of change the way that that we work on the web, and I think that that's that as our like foundation is going to guide us towards building the proper tools. You know, we're still building for ourselves. We're not building to get rich. Um, and so whatever path that takes, if it means working with another company to do that, then maybe that's the best choice. Or if it means like keeping our independence so that we have the freedom to design and develop what we think actually needs to be done, then that's, that's the route we'll go. Are you doing, uh, I mean, it's very early. You just released, right? Are you, so I imagine the main way that you're doing getting user feedback is in your forums. Are you doing any testing? Are you going and watching people use it? Anything like that? Any plans for that? So, so we, we hop on video calls and watch people use the app. Um, and you know, we, we mainly get feedback through the actual application itself. We've got a little mechanism in there where you can actually send us your file because that's tremendously helpful as well. Um, but we're, we're also using the tool all the time. Um, to try to optimize everything. We, we, we know and we hear from other people the same things. We all want the same things here. Um, and so we're just doing everything we can to, to build those things as quickly as we can. This is the version one. What are you, what features are you hoping for? What, what can we expect? Yeah, so version one, we still have some features that we want to get into our V1. Um, states is something that uh, we have almost complete, which will be launched pretty soon, actually. So you'll be able to go in and set your hover, your focus, your active states, all those kind of things as well. Um, we have rich text editing still coming. Um, that's kind of a beast. Um, there's a lot to that, and it can't work exactly like it does in Photoshop, but we've been working hard on that as well. Um, <clears throat> Mobile-first breakpoints is something that we'll probably add inside of, of Macaw. Right, because um, right have, now it's big picture narrowing down. Right, which which is probably easier to work with. We have mobile That's how most designers work. I think it is. I, um, I published Luke's book. I believe in mobile-first as a concept, Yeah, and I think it means – thinking about the content that way. I agree. You still sit down in Photoshop or Macaw or something yeah. and design a large presentation. Exactly. And and that's kind of what we've been realizing. And we may end up just, I mean, it'd be easy for us to just publish it with, with 
opposite um, media queries to just do that conversion on the way out. And what we gain then is is a simpler workflow. So we may do something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true too. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, and so we also have some really cool ideas that we we hope to roll into version one around version control um, because I you know I hate all the duplication that I do on on PSDs and and that kind of stuff. Um, we've got some cool ideas around that, and then uh, and site organization. You already have that. You site can create. We have pages at you least. Have pages, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can you can totally manage all of that kind of stuff and copy. Um, you know, make the global styles yep. so that. Once you've set up your homepage, you can basically, again, just just yep. roll out subpages. Yep, yep. You know, as your proficiency grows in the tool, like you'll be able to do things far more efficiently, and and result. You know, it'll result in much better code as well. Hang on one second, because sure. uh, get yourself a glass of water, because I am now going to thank our sponsors. Perfect. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code BIGWEB. Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and all the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. Squarespace has over 20 highly customizable templates for you to choose from. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It starts at just $8 a month, and every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look great on every device, every time. Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code BIGWEB, B-I-G-W-E-B, all one word, to get 10% off and to show your support for The Big Web Show. And thanks. But wait, there's more. This episode is also sponsored by Typekit. Speaking of Adobe, new from Adobe Typekit, we're not just on the web anymore. Adobe Typekit now brings great type direction onto your desktop for use in any application. Use desktop fronts from Typekit in any of your print, video, or other media projects, and they'll look as stunning as ever on the web, too. Typekit works with quality Foundry partners to bring you a stunning collection of fonts for use in desktop applications and on your websites. Choose the fonts you need from a library featuring thousands of options and then sync them to your desktop with Creative Cloud. Or use Typekit's service to host them on the web. Or do both and bring a new level of consistency to the work you produce online and in print. Thank you, Typekit. Thank you, Squarespace. Back to you, Tom. Tell me about your partners. You sure. got <clears throat> Danny, Brandon, and Adam. That's correct. So Adam is, our, is the co-founder. Um, him and I have been friends for quite some time. We worked at an agency many, many years ago, uh, and we've done a few little side projects here and there together. Always in D.C.? Always in D.C. Are you both from D.C.? Uh, not originally. Um, he's from Indiana, and I'm from Central PA. Um, my wife was going to school down here, so that's how I ended up here. When you say Central PA, I'm from Pittsburgh. What do you mean? Oh, okay. I mean all the, the parts of Pennsylvania that nobody's heard of. Altoona. 
<laughs> so Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I never heard of that. Yeah, it's right in the middle of the state. It's where uh, the Little League World Series happens, and that's about it. Okay. Not much else. Cool. Um, so yeah, Adam and I worked together for a while. Um, he came up to visit in Boston, and I kind of showed him what I was working on. He was one of the first people to see it, and he said, "Hey, that's pretty cool. I'd like to, you know, help out with that." Um, so him and I, you know, worked remotely on it for a while, uh, nights and weekends, and. Uh, <clears throat> We won a startup competition here in D.C. in April, um, and I think that was enough to convince him to like, hey, maybe I should hop on and do this whole startup thing, you know, full time as well. What, um, what, did you had you did you consider going an open source route or some other? How did you know you wanted to make it a company? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I guess it just always felt like it should be a company. Um, we never really considered open source. We always just thought, hey, this could be a pretty sweet tool, um, and I think people would probably pay for it. Let's try to see what we can make of it. And who uh, – so you say you did, you're responsible for the look and feel. How did that – how did it come to you? Was it just you designed it to be what you th- – I mean, there's what a person needs, right? and then there's the flavor. Right. Yeah. So, so there – it's it's – it's neutral. It's the, it's the yeah. It's the result of a lot of processing and a lot of using the application myself, and 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 really more whittling away than adding. So um, at one point, it was sort of had a lot more bevels and drop shadows and textures yeah. and stuff. Yep, and you know, the only way that I feel like you can really get to the ideal is to just be inside of it all day, every day. And you start to feel like this is a little too heavy. Let me strip it down over here. Um, And and figuring out like what kind of icons to use for things has been an interesting challenge because a lot of these concepts have never been given icons before. um, And so dealing with those abstractions, um, we've put a lot of time into that. You know, there's a lot of properties, CSS properties that, you know, three or four are bundled into one icon because it, it, closely relates to how we think as, as humans as opposed to how we think as programmers. Um, and so figuring out the best way to do that without confusing people, um, it, t- it took a lot of time. Yeah. Icons for field inputs. Right. Right. Um, let's talk about Brandon and Danny. Yeah. And so Brandon was um, a coworker of mine at Include, actually. Um <coughs> he was still in the thank you. Um he was still in the DC area. Um and he did a lot of of um iOS development. Um and because we chose a native route for the application as opposed to a typical web app, um his skill set was very much in demand for us because we're all we're Adam and I are both JavaScript programmers. Um and the native side sort of eludes us. Um and so he was helping as a contractor on the side and uh he was willing to take the leap with us. You know, this was after Kickstarter, so we could pay him. Um, and uh, we convinced him to, to come on board. So he started in um, December 2013. Um, and Danny is sort of his counterpart on the PC side of things. Um, and he started just in February. You started on Macs? We started on Mac, yep. Yeah. Um, how do you... Because we're built on, sorry, uh, because we're built on Chromium embedded framework, we can easily port to different platforms. And that's kind of um, building a, a hybrid app is really kind of a thing of beauty um, because we can put it anywhere we'd like. Um, we could even throw it on the web if we really wanted to. 
how did you get so much feedback from almost immediately from, you know, Paul Boag, me, Mike Finch at Facebook? Yeah. What, how did you control? A lot of people dream of starting a business, but there's yeah. not just making a, a, you want to make a product that's amazing. Yep. You also have to make a community. You have to make people aware of it. Absolutely. Um, did the Kickstarter, do you think that's what got the initial attention? Did you have a newsletter writing campaign? Do you work with, how did, how did you get people so interested? Yeah. So it all started um, with a video, actually. Uh, we put out a sneak peek video last summer, I believe. Um, and I, I, you know, I think if we would have hired a marketer to do it, um, they would have told us we're crazy with what we tried to do. We bas- it was basically a 20-minute video of me using the tool, starting on a blank canvas, building a simple blog, and publishing it out and showing the code afterwards. Um, and you know, we had hundreds of thousands of people watch that video. Um, and so we had tens of thousands of people signing up for our newsletter and, and it was just kind of, you know, shocking to us, um, that so many people, I think that it's a tool that a lot of people thought, Hey, maybe someday there could be a tool like this. Um, and you know, maybe we solved a small part of that and people maybe saw the potential that was there, um, and kind of latched on and, and it was, it was really awesome because a lot of people just want to help. Um, and to contribute and everybody has a ton of awesome ideas. Um, but I think that video really kind of started it. Um, and you know, we were getting dozens of emails a day saying, Hey, can I be part of the beta? I'll pay you. Can I just get in and start using it? Um, and that's one of the main reasons we decided to, to do the Kickstarter, um, is it was a way for us to raise some funds. We knew we needed some more time. Um, I knew, you know, my wife was probably on the verge of killing me because we hadn't had a salary in a while. Um, <clears throat> and so we decided, let's let's see if the community is really willing to, to help us out. Um, and I think the, the Kickstarter just strengthened that that community connection for us. Um, and it was a really it, it was a really great, great way for us to you know gain early, early adoption. How are you maintaining that? Are there plans as you grow to hire a community person to just you know, make sure that that part of the, that part of your connection stays strong. And yeah, um, we haven't, we haven't planned on hiring someone necessarily. Um, but I think it's pretty ingrained in, in everybody on the team. Um, you know, we love going to events. We love speaking, we love writing. Um, and all of those things are, are just ingrained in in our culture. So we're going to try to just maintain that in any way that we can. Um, but uh, there's no hard set plans on, you know, we can't force it. We can't just hire somebody to, to do that necessarily um, that doesn't feel it. Um, so it's really just on us, I think, being who we are. Where, uh, where are you located right now? What part of D.C.? Yeah, so our office is in DuPont Circle. I thought so. And that's even the picture. Is that also where you took the photograph of the four? Uh... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. At- that's actually so. at DuPont Circle. Yep. That's what I thought. I, I used to live there. Oh, okay. I lived there for six years. I love oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're about a block down from the from the circle. That is a great – so near where Include used to be. Yeah, it's Near it's the funny. Washington Hilton. Oh, right. Yeah, so that's the old Include studio. They, they, they moved down um, about six months before the Twitter acquisition. They moved down below the circle. Um, and now that whole space is a co-working space. So we're actually in the old Include studio. Funny. Okay. okay. Yeah. Can people visit? I guess if it's a co-working space, they can. 
people can visit. Um, you have to be, I think a requirement is that you have to be pretty well versed at ping pong. Um, but you're, you're more than welcome to come in if you're, if you're in town, Jeffrey. Is that a, is that the, uh, the place with the dual levels with the, like the staircase? Oh uh, yeah. No, that, yeah. That's the old include studio. Oh, that's, that's the right. old one. Okay. It had, it had two levels. Yep. Mario Kart was big then. Then they and moved al- to ping pong. And also I think, uh, massive containers of beer. I seem to recall. That is always at include. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, where uh, people can look for you at macaw.co. Correct. Um, they can doubt, they can get a free trial. How long does that last? 30 days. Um, any, are you getting any kind of negative pushback from any, any bad reviews? Negative. I mean, and how do you deal with that? If so? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's certainly people who, you know, want more. Um, I think it is, is what it boils down to. They want, um, all these additional features. They want to be able to edit HTML and CSS directly. Um, and I think a lot of it relates to the fact that we are trying to shift some paradigms a little right. bit. Right. Yeah, you um, don't want to provide that because that's not the idea of your product. Yeah, exactly. And so so there's definitely a little bit like, you know, some of these are conscious decisions, guys. You know, we've we've got a direction that we're, we're trying to take this in. Um, so there's definitely been some pushback for that. Um that's and, not so bad. You don't have people saying you're trying to take my livelihood away. You're trying to take my job away. So people have said that sarcastically to us. Okay. Um, but you know, we do get most most pushback from people who are more developer oriented, um, saying, "Well, you know, that's not exactly how I would have written the code." Um, and so, you know, we we understand. Well, you're always going to get. You're always going to get that. We're always going to have that. Um, and when, we're just trying to hit. When Ethan but, and I were co-writing the third edition of Designing with Web Standards, we're like, we we envisioned a feature that was called Designer versus Designer, where we were actually going to stand with our arms crossed, disagreeing about stuff. Like, <laughs> like I was ready to like bring back pixels a hundred percent. I was like, finally we can use pixels again. He's like, no, we can't. I was like, yes, we finally can. So you know, my point just being, two design. Anytime you get two designers, you're going to get three opinions, and people. With markup and CSS, people are so opinionated and so absolutely. rightfully because they care because they yep. care. Yep, absolutely. Wow. What are there websites right now that you know of that are have been published in Macaw besides, I assume, Macaw.co? Macaw.co definitely is. Um, we we've had some that are kind of in the works. It's still a little bit early, I guess. Um, and we've had a couple agencies sending through files with feedback. Um, for some clients that are really exciting that we're probably not allowed to disclose. Right. Um, but I think that those are all kind of coming. We're, we're, we're still working on collecting all of those sites. Um, and it's also interesting. A lot of people are using it too as just like a, a starting point as well. It's maybe not sure. production, um, but they're, they're also like, we heard from a lot of product teams at Facebook and, and different places that are using it as um, it helps them speed up the process because you can actually design with the web. Um, so, no, we don't have a, a ton of sites that, that are published right from Macaw, but we think that they're coming, and, and we hope that it plays an you know, important role for designers at, at, all along the spectrum. I really think they are coming. I think it will. I think yeah. this is going to be the way a lot of people create websites. Well, we, we, we certainly hope so. Um, and we also uh, you know we hope that it helps people learn, too. We hope that we're not removing HTML and CSS completely. But we, we, you know, we hear from a lot of schools and a lot of professors that want to start teaching it because 
it brings in the best practices from the past 20 years or so and helps people learn those technologies. We still think those technologies will be important um, and it's good to understand them. Um, but, you know, let, let us help you and let, let's do a lot of that for you. So you don't have to. I think to be honest, I think your goal is for all that to become like postscript one day, yeah. that there will be some nerds at the W3C and what working group and, and so on who yeah. will come up with that stuff and will understand it and will respond to what the design and development community tells them they need right. by making more abstract code, yeah. but it'll be like postscript. Yeah. Uh, that would be amazing to see in my life, considering that I, I mean, I like you started by writing tags. Yep. Well, uh, really nice to reconnect with you. Um, congratulations on this launch. Thank and you. Uh, on on Twitter, people should follow you where? At Atasi. A-T-T-A-S-I. Thank you very much. And good luck to you. And we'll be seeing you again soon. Thanks, Jeffrey. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.